Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. everyone and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis. I am your esteemed host today. Jacqueline Coley still out on assignment, but I do get word she's going to be back next week for our uh, next episode, I should say, which will cover a certain horror franchise. We're talking franchises today. We're talking a big franchise. We're talking the one that, whoo, boy, it is tough to go online without talking about this one. Still to this day, Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder's original vision somewhat for Justice League finally realized on streaming platforms during the pandemic, and we're finally talking about the movie. And who better to have at my right and left hand than two of the biggest, not only comic book movie nerds I know, they're comic book nerds in general, and they're two of my dear friends. To my left, it is Coy Jandro, who you know from Real Rejects. He is a comic book historian, and you can follow him across all social media platforms just at Coy Jandro. How are you, bud? I'm so excited for this and so scared of when it airs. It's <laughs> <laughs> the next hour, thrilled. The next six months, not thrilled. That's why we pumped Coy full of coffee, and he was even nice enough to grab his buddy, Winston A. Marshall, a cop. You know Winston A. Marshall, a celebrated actor, host, and you can follow him across all social media platforms at the Swaggy Blurred. He is also, at least formerly, a nationally ranked dodgeball player, but you've fallen on some hard times quite literally. How are you healing up? Well, we still got the crutches still in the studio. Crutches. I'm just going to lift there. one up because that's just a whole <laughs> thing to get up right now. Uh, but I'm good, man. I'm doing good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the downtime to get a lot of writing done, catch up on some movies and shows that I didn't you know, get a chance to watch before. Yeah. Man. So that's that's nice, you know, and uh, I I really wish I had the speed force right now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I, this this screw this. Sh- there's my one. Yes, as uh, the great uh, play-by-play announcer Al Michaels would say, Winston A. Marshall is out with a leg, but the leg is healing up. And we are talking about the uh, Zack Snyder Justice League. And this is just one of those hot button topics that you can never feel like you're on the right side of because there's almost so much debate on social media. And I guess rightfully so. I mean, we had Justice League come out that was going to be Zack Snyder directing it. And he made the movie. We had a cut. And then personal tragedy, uh, tragedy with, with his family, professional stuff going on. Joss Whedon comes in, has 80 new pages, cuts a lot of Snyder's. But Snyder kept his original rough cut somewhere, somehow. And 
and the fans knew it, and word got out, and eventually it got out to HBO Max, becoming, at the time it was HBO Max, I think it was the fourth watched, most watched movie on that streaming platform that year. And so there is clearly an audience for this movie, which is currently 71% fresh on the good old tomato meter, 93% audience score, because uh, the people who watched it, they were really excited, and they've been waiting for this one for a long time. And The Flash comes out. June 16th, which is tomorrow as of this episode dropping. So you have The Flash featuring Michael Keaton's Batman, as we all learned from the Super Bowl. Um, I do want to give one editorial shout out on the website right now, RottenTomatoes.com. We have all the DCEU movies ranked. And I know we don't really call it the DCEU anymore, but it's basically all the DC movies since we were figuring out what to call it (laughs) ranked. And we included the series in there as well. So right now, Peacemaker... The series from James Gunn is number one at 94% certified fresh. Hot on its heels is Wonder Woman from 2017. That's 93% certified fresh. And so Justice League, the Zack Snyder version, fitting in there nicely at 71%. It's still fresh. And so I go to Coy and Winston. I will ask you, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong with that 71%? But before I get there... When Jack and I are both in studio, we like to make each other do the synopsis for a particular movie. Okay. Now... I have both of you great guests here. And what I'm going to do, I got my stopwatch right here for the synopsis. You each have a minute total, or I guess I'm going to give the collective a minute. You each have 30 seconds to tell me what this movie's about. And then wherever the first one drops off, the next one picks Picks up. up. Who wants to go first? All right. Who's feeling? I got got this. I got this. All right. So Winston, tell us what Zack Snyder's Justice League is about in three, two, one. One. Okay, so the movie opens up by Superman stubbing his toe, and he just keeps screaming at the top of his lungs about how bad he slammed his toe against his Kryptonian bed. And because of that, it awakens some things called mother boxes, and then all of a sudden, Zeus is out here kicking it with some random Green Lantern that kind of look like a monkey, and they end up fighting Darkseid, and they're like, we gotta protect the planet. Uh, I only got ten left? Damn, I'm really bad at the light. And then all of a sudden, the Flash is like, I need friends! And then Aquaman is like, I'm not gonna roll with you no more. and it's Coy Jandro's turn. Uh, basically, in the world where there isn't a Superman, this group of heroes <laughs> has to rally together in order to protect the planet from Darkseid, this giant cosmic threat that's looming and coming in part because of our Superman. But Superman comes back from the dead without a mustache in this one, and he's able to actually protect folk. But in the beginning, he's disoriented. He has to actually fight the Justice League, becoming both a pro-antagonist, which is an interesting Ten commentary seconds. on Batman's view of Superman because it shows the danger that he is as well as the protector that he is, which is Five, the great summation of what Superman four, is and what the Justice League represents as an entity. Two. One. Wow. Okay. 59 and a half seconds is all it took for Winston and Coy. I think Coy had the easier job because he had to take the ball and run with it. But then Coy had to give us a nice summation of the events. And he also peppered in some commentary in there, too. So Winston kind of had the yeoman's work and then mm-hmm. Coy got to have the glory. I didn't get any toe stubbing, which frankly is my loss <laughs> and I mean, not me. I just, because literally I forgot that's how the movie starts. So when I turned it on to get ready for this, because I was like, all right, four hours. Here we go. At the beginning, the toe stubbing heard around the world. People in Atlanta are like, what the hell? It's you everyone gotta, watching Lord of the Rings like, did you know that's actually Vigo breaking his toe? Like every <laughs> movie nerd has to say it. And all the Amazonians are chilling. And then the one black woman goes, hey, <laughs> hey, somebody really hurt out there. 
And so she's the one that walks up and the, the, the mother box cracks. She goes, oh, hell no. Like, that's how we start this Opening five minutes because the yell is four minutes. I love that opening because it's like Superman. He's just like us. You know, it, it's like watching Tiger shank a shot. And it's like, oh, you know what? Everybody struggles at golf or getting out of bed in the morning from time to time. Yep. And so with that expert synopsis by both of y'all teaming up like Voltron or our own little Justice League here, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? about Zack Snyder's Justice League, 71% fresh. I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, but not as wrong as others might think. Okay. I'm going to give this a a sweet spot. I, I'm going to say it's like 87%. Uh, if we're using the, the school, like uh, American standard of grading, I think this is a resounding B plus approaching A minus. It has plenty of flaws, but it has so much right. And it's actually genre redefining in a way that I think it has to have a bit of an asterisk where like that 87% is for this property. But if you look at the impact of what this represents for film, I put it in that 90. I, I think that score is right. 93 for the audience is correct for the impact of this changed what time is like between TikTok making us go like five seconds and this movie <laughs> being four hours. We now know that media is about the substance of what it is. It's not drawn to just being like nine minutes. Sure. And I think that's really important and impactful. I think that not doing this as a six episode series and making a four hour movie shows the serialized nature of comic books. And I think it's really important for the genre to have less um, structure around it. I think this allowed for the Batman. I think this allowed for other things. So the audience score, I think, is right about what the Snyder Cut is as an entity. And I think I'd put it at like an 87% for the movie. Okay, so for the culture of comic book movies and media going forward, maybe this was a bold step. Yes. Not may, maybe the movie itself had its issue, but that isn't always fault. So I give it a little wiggle. Okay. Because like, you know, things happened and also the studio and, and juggling in five years of buildup. So 87% feels right to me. So it's a nice B plus for the scholar Coy Jandro, how about you, Winston A. Marshall? Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? Rotten Tomatoes is wrong-ish. Um, <laughs> I, I, 71, I think, is a baby bit too low, but we're not off base. And for me, it's mainly just because it's the I am the exact opposite of you. Interesting. I don't need it That's to be here. right. I don't need it to be like <laughs> TikTok link, like you mentioned. But I actually would have preferred a miniseries because, A, you would have allowed it to breathe, and, B, you're not potentially fatiguing people. The people that were diehard and love this thing, they don't care. Mm. They're the, fine, give me more. I'll take five hours. I'll take six. I'm a grown-ass <laughs> adult. I don't, I, you know, and as I've said to you many times, Koi, bitch, I have a job. So, like, I can't just sit here for four, like, it's one of the reasons why I love Infinity War and Endgame. Just to give you another example of like a longer movie, I don't watch it all that often because I don't always have three hours to sit down and do that. So if you give me like a give me like a solid either like two twenty two thirty, or if you had actually broken this up as a miniseries, honestly, I'm like foaming at the mouth to come back to it. But I also then have I know he gives the little anchor part one yeah, chapters, part two. Yeah. If you even just give me the option, you can do run it all together or watch them in, in chunks. Th then I think you at least give me the, the, the ability to walk away if I need to and enjoy like, man, because I, I didn't think I was going to. Cyborg, when he ends up giving the the mother the the money, like he watches her life and mm -hmm. how she's struggling, I, I start bawling every single time. And, and I want to be able to just let me just revisit that. Sure. Let me just revisit them all fighting Superman. Let me just revisit like the Amazonians. Uh, you know, trying to de defend the mascara and, and the oh, mother box. So cool. Like, give me the, the, the being able to digest it in like 40 minute chunks instead of 
having to sit there for four hours. Which you I, can do. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that formula is for both. But, but I feel like, like when something like this drops, especially when it drops on a streaming service, you get that sort of bingeable quality to it that, you know, I, I think Stranger Things benefited and suffered from it. And you could say the same for like the Daredevils of the world, mm-hmm. where it almost felt like you had to play catch up because mm-hmm. you couldn't go on social media because yeah, yeah. everything's going to be spoiled for you because there is somebody out there that's watching it like at two times speed <laughs> just to get every little Easter egg and making sure they know everything before everybody else does. And so it becomes a race against time, whereas right. if it was episodic, which at one point in the Snyder Cut matriculation to, I guess, the small screen, mm-hmm. it there was talk about, let's make this a miniseries instead. So that was a palatable idea that the Brain Trust had, that the mother box, I should say, had, and <laughs> we just didn't go that way. And so what we ended up with was this movie that you could say a bloated runtime, but there's a lot to, to cram in there. And I'm very forgivable when it comes to, A, I think the hurdles that this movie had to overcome, yeah. personally and professionally, just to get to the vision that Snyder wanted. And you also say, okay, well, if it's a team up like of this magnitude, then maybe a longer runtime is warranted. And so I think that that score is dead on. But when I say 71% is accurate for Jack Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I'm also one of the few folks that liked this Justice League that came out in what 2018 or whatever it was. I rarely dislike that. Right, you are chuckles. one of the few. <laughs> I, I like that. I might just be a dancing clown in the corner, but I had no issue with it. I like the little hint of the Danny Elfman score we got at the end of that movie, but I, and, and the John Williams theme yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff. So there was potential I saw in that, mm-hmm. but one of the, the biggest piece of potential I saw in the original version of Justice League, I thought was more realized in Zack Snyder's. We'll get into that when we get into movie talk. But for right now, we're going to turn it over to our good buddy, Tim Ryan. He's our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes. So he's going to tell us what critics were saying at the time. Oh, we were so young. It was such an innocent time. We were all sitting in our homes waiting for something new to come on TV. Is it a new Tiger King? No, it's Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hit it, Tim. Two minutes with Tim. I'll leave it up to my esteemed colleagues to untangle the convoluted tale of the making of the Snyder Cut. The critical response was substantially more positive than the version that was released in theaters, but it was also indicative of the way moviegoing has changed since the beginning of the pandemic. Though studios have increasingly released big-budget blockbusters to streaming services, if you include both its original budget and its reshoots, Zack Snyder's Justice League is one of the most expensive films of all time, and pretty easily the most expensive movie to debut on a streaming service. Given its four-hour length, and given the massive changes in audiences' watching habits, it's the kind of thing that worked perfectly for streaming. It seems unlikely a movie with such an epic runtime would hold the same appeal as a theatrical release, nor, given the slow demise of physical media, would it necessarily have been seen by so many were it to be released on DVD or Blu-ray. In fact, there was early talk about turning it into a series, which makes sense given current viewing habits. Regardless, Zack Snyder's Justice League was a big hit for HBO Max, and the reviews were solid. Critics praised the new version's deeper character development and visual panache, while still noting that the movie was... A little long. Zack Snyder's Justice League is fresh at 71% on the tomato meter with 308 reviews, and it has a 93% audience score. And just for comparison, Justice League from 2017 is rotten at 39%. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Melanie McFarland of Salon.com wrote, Zack Snyder's Justice League shows Snyder's evolution from a director known for emphasizing style over substance to a man who understands why we love superhero myths whether they live in the DC Universe or Marvel's. However, in a rotten review, Dennis Franich of Entertainment Weekly wrote, This cut is no worse than the theatrical edition, but it sure is longer. 
The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Zack Snyder's Justice League lives up to its title with a sprawling cut that expands to fit the director's vision and should satisfy the fans who willed it into existence. So that's Zack Snyder's Justice League. And if you want more DC talk, in this case, the movies, not the band, we covered Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice back in November of 2020, Wonder Woman 1984 in January of 2021, and Man of Steel in March of 2022. Back to you, folks. All right. Thanks for the uh, free plug on our backlog, Tim Ryan. Uh, We are going (laughs) to jump right into movie talk. There's so much to get into here. The original Justice League that came out in theaters, I will point out, I think it's 39% on the tomato meter. And so this definitely got it into fresh territory. And with that, let's go to movie talk. It's such a huge, sprawling question to open this segment with, but are y'all fans of what DC has done going all the way back to Man of Steel leading to this moment with Zack Snyder's Justice League? I think that sometimes people penalize a particular movie for the sloppy buildup that you had, which was not as clean as its you know, uh, brother in the house next door, Marvel. And so if you look at just where we've come, how far we've gone with whatever the DCEU is now, are we fans of what's transpired, Winston? I mean, look, I have been, I would be remiss if I, when seeing you, I didn't somehow reference the Cowboys at least (laughs) once. And I'll even throw Uh, in the Lakers in there too because of what they did this past season where they were kind of like, dog crap most of the year Mm -hmm. and then kind of figured it out at the end to like get themselves through a round and uh, uh, and not only just a round to make it to the Western Conference Finals. That's kind of what it feels like. You had some serious high points in the DCEU, like Wonder Woman, we mentioned that. Peacemaker, we mentioned that. I think The Suicide Squad that James Gunn did was another example that was really great. Uh, people go back and forth with Man, and, Man of Steel. I didn't love it the first time I saw it upon rewatch. I actually am a, like a pretty big fan of it. Um, and I think that this is a great kind of magnum opus to get it, but I I don't... It's one of those situations that there were too many mistakes that it, it couldn't go the distance as a franchise. I think that it was a team that you talked about and you're very curious to see if they can come in on the rebound with what they're about to reboot. But like, it just didn't have the sauce to be like, we did it. We're the champions, baby. Yeah. It's like, was the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing? Mm-hmm. As I try to figure out whether Russell Westbrook is Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon <laughs> yeah, I'm in this comparison. There, but, uh... um, how, how do you feel about the way that we got to Zack Snyder's Justice League? Corey? So with landing with Justice League, I think it does merit the highs and lows. And I think that much like comic books and as a comic book person, I do see a lot of the interesting parallels. There are good artists and good issues that you got to struggle <laughs> through the bad ones to get to. Like there are amazing issues that when sometimes you get, uh, the penciler gets overburdened and he has to let somebody else tag in. And then he comes right back and you're like, Oh, thank God he's back. And that <laughs> penciler, they didn't, it's not their fault. They weren't ready for the job necessarily. Sometimes you just get thrown into things. And other times editorial at a studio is going to be like, Hey, we need this character in here. We need this character in here. And this has to happen. So, Honestly, the Snyder universe is a lot more like comics than people realize because there's so many variables. There's so many cooks in the kitchen and much like that, there are so many comics that don't work. But when you look at the overall collection, yay, we got here. And I think the Snyder universe is a yay. We got here only because we released the Snyder cut. I, one of the reasons I love the Snyder cut is it does feel like closure because we do actually get something that's worth all of the highs and lows because Mm -hmm. it feels like a trade paperback. Mm -hmm. It feels like when you look at the, even the sections, the chapters, You've got this issue, this issue, this issue. You can watch it as issues or you can watch it as a trade. You've got the whole journey. But if you look at the entire omnibus, the entire collection of the Snyderverse, 
I don't know how often I'll read it because there's a lot of stuff that I, I didn't love. And I think that honestly, if we consider this an Elseworld, it's better. Like I, I know the Snyder fans that are so passionate and I love passion. It's when they're vengeful that I, that I think it's dangerous. And I think that the Snyder world is, is it allows for a lot of anger because the way he perceives these characters allows for anger because he sees them as gods above us instead of gods that are, um, above us with, uh, reverence that we should have for them. They feel like vengeful gods judging us because they're amongst mm -hmm. us. And to me, the DC universe is the dichotomy between Marvel and DC that's talked about often is Marvel is gods walking amongst us and DC is gods above us. The difference in Snyder's universe is I feel like when those gods are above us, they're looking down their noses at us. And that is an accurate depiction to his belief. And I love that for him and I love watching those, but it's not how I perceive the characters. So I always see this whole thing as an omnibus of like a what if. It's it's so interesting you say that because I feel like that's what Marvel and DC were. And now Marvel, it feels like they're starting to do the gods above us kind of thing mm -hmm. too. I mean, I mean, we got freaking Zeus in there now. Like, yeah, it, like yeah. there's wait, a so, celestial sticking out of the earth right yeah, now, chilling. It's, yeah. it's like Greek gods are real. Like, are we going to meet Santa Claus in, in the next <laughs> round of this? He I, has I, fought I, Lobo in I, DC. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, one of the reasons why I actually want to see a live action I want Lobo Jason Momoa to fight Santa, yeah. and I hope that casting happens. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. But, and so now it feels like, and as of this recording, Winston and I have seen The Flash. Coy's seen it in a matter of hours here, the new one. And, and it sort of feels like, and this is no spoiler to anything in The Flash, but I feel like with that and, and with, with the upcoming Aquaman too, it's almost like we're, we're going to have a good time, but we're sort of spinning our wheels as we figure out where James Gunn and Peter Safran want to take DC going forward. And so... Winston is as as Coy intimated. You just can't escape these Marvel DC comparisons. Sure. So let's just get it out on the table right now. Mm -hmm. Is it fair to do that to either side? I mean, I feel like they're all they're on the sh the same aisle at the grocery store, sure. and they're both cereal. Mm -hmm. But I may not wake up and want Special K every day. Sometimes I want Honeycomb, yeah. and it's just. But it's not like they're eggs or bacon or anything else. These are both cereals, and you got to choose which one you like better. See, I, I I would say that yes, this is these are both breakfast, but one feels like. You know, I'm, I'm making like waffles, and the other one is like I'm gonna have me some like cream of wheat. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 or or, or oatmeal, and that it's like because I was actually just thinking about this with the with the the, the through line with the Snyderverse because you mentioned the gods looking down on us. Yeah, every one of the heroes is really angry. Really angry. Like they they they're they are so mad. Like I, I was thinking about it because even in the Flash, you, as you'll see, and everybody else will see. There are moments where a lot of our main characters 
are just mad mm-hmm. and their rage kind of gets the better of them at one point. And, and that happens as a through line throughout this. I, I feel like in Man of Steel, like that that pained rage cry when he kills Zod, spoiler mm. alert. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, in Act Three of Wonder Woman, when she, you know, when Steve Trevor dies and then she realizes Ares behind it, she just starts murdering all of just just da, 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 just like it's grabbing Doctor Poison and is like mm-hmm. gonna snap her neck. Um, and Batman v Superman, the Batman entire v movie Superman. is it's just rage. They're both right. rage. Just so much anger. And the original comic of that is 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 earned slow burn rage. That mm-hmm. is a third act rage, mm-hmm. as opposed to that movie, which is pure rage. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I do feel like that is uh, what kind of underdogs are who read comics a lot mm-hmm. of the time. It's not as much as it used to be, but like you and I grew up reading comics because it felt like a place that was for us and a mm-hmm. safe place and somewhere that felt like we belong here and we belong with people that belong here. I think that the issue with the movies being angry is you go one of two directions when you're, when you feel like an outsider, you either develop empathy for others that are an outsider or you develop rage for those that made you feel like an outsider. This gives the audience that felt rage, a validation of, I was right to think this would be the choice by these heroes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not only dangerous for culture, but dangerous for the precedent of what these characters are separating them from their original source. No, for sure. I, 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 what I appreciate is the fact that they do eventually when it's over, be like, Hey, Maybe that's not the right way. Every single one of these moments is a situation where then after the fact, like Batman goes, man, maybe I shouldn't have been so mad about this alien, you know, because he was upset because, you know, uh, he watched all these people die during the Zod fight. And so that's why he's like, this dude is a menace. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, he's like me, Martha. Like, same thing even with with Wonder Woman where she's about to murder Ares and he's like, yes, build like emperor. Yes, yeah, right. (laughs) And she's like, no, there's more to this. That's not. So I get that they're kind of delivering that message of everybody feels anger and maybe we should. But but the fact that I don't immediately think of people realizing maybe I should calm down and accept the world. I yeah. just think of how mad they are the whole time. Because even Cyborg, understandably so, his dad's ignoring him. Then his mom dies and he's on the verge of death and goes through the most painful transformation possible. And After comes being out a promising football prospect. After, yeah. Bro, he was about to be the next Patrick Mahomes and he's just done. Just yeah. like that's a wrap. And now he's a Valid and anger. But if you think about the overall experience of the films, rage is the first thing I think of. And like when you watch the old cowboy movies and they're smoking, you don't think about the Surgeon General warnings you think about how cool it is to be smoking that's the danger of these things is it's what you feel after it batman the batman had that really brutal i'm vengeance but the end of the movie is about him him acknowledging that the bad guys are now vengeance they're acknowledging vengeance as like their message and he represents hope that is the thing I walk away with from the Batman. I don't think of his anger. I think of him growing out of it. And that's the danger of not having a movie allow you to grow out of rage. Well, you start to think about how life may be imitating art in that way with Zack Snyder and his approach to making this film or to finishing this film, I should say, because it's almost like you have a lot of rage built up against the studio and the powers that be just not letting you have your vision after everything that he went through and then having Joss Whedon come in and just having a completely different version of these events. So when we look at the good part of that anger and that passion and that rage, we did get a lot of cool added scenes that we did not see in the theatrical cut. Um, I I would say... (laughs) Superman utilizing some of that, you know, I I hate these people when he fights the Justice League and that extended fight scene really, really leaped out at me when I initially watched it upon rewatching it. But I said when I was leaving the theater after seeing Joss Whedon's version, I want to know more about Cyborg. I want to see more about Mm -hmm. Cyborg. And to see that vision, that promise sort of realized in the Snyder Cut with Cyborg not only having more to do and, (laughs) and be around more, but sort of looking as like the linchpin 
to the Justice League and where that franchise could have gone. I thought Ray Fisher was great originally. I think mm-hmm. he's even better in this one because mm-hmm. he's got more to do. And so the the presence of more cyborg, ironically, with like, you know, I grew up a huge Batman fan and I love the Wonder the first Wonder Woman film. Mm-hmm. So those are the characters that kind of get me into the theater mm-hmm. and leaving. I'm saying this cyborg cat is right up there with them. That was what I really took away on a, in a positive sense yeah. from Snyder's Justice League. Coy, uh, your added scenes that you or something else that that stood out to you that was not in the Whedon version that you like. That's why we deserve this movie. I, I honestly think everyone had a bit. I, I think the two highlights for me are Cyborg and the Themyscarans, not even just Wonder Woman. But I, I felt so much more for sure. the women of the world in this universe because they got to have. Um, a backstory that felt like it impacted every scene going forward, tying them to the mother boxes, tying them to everything, like opening the film with them and then anchoring the film to Cyborg felt like all of the characters, I felt like got the most short change because they didn't get their own time in the, in the Justice League, the Justice League. And so I definitely feel like that movie... <laughs> it can't be the first time I've heard that, but oh, it no, feels no, like... It. Oh, yeah, that's no, just no, putting so in that's the sentence feels good. It's just like sprinkling <laughs> in there. But I feel like there. the Justice League has a lot of elements of like, who are the characters that are popular? What are the big fandom moments we can sprinkle in what are the big like this is going to be in the trailer moments that doesn't nourish the characters as much I feel like Wonder Woman is better because of the Themyscarans I feel like the Justice League is better because of Cyborg because the humanity of Cyborg anchors even Superman the humanity of Cyborg makes you feel that Batman can be redeemed Mm -hmm. even while he's going through all this so as much as Ben Affleck's one of my favorite Batmans ever I do feel like he got a lot of time in the other movies I feel like deservedly Ben Affleck is is the closest I think we'll get to Frank Miller but Cyborg not having the time I have to say most improved is going to be the scenes I love most yeah I would say Batman that opening scene in the Justice League (laughs) I was like oh this is cool we we get it I like this Batman that we're getting but again a lot of other issues with that so Winston when you see the Snyder version what is the thing that stands out to you as far as what he added, what he originally had in that got cut out? I, I mean, so as I was rallying against the four-hour movie, and <laughs> you need all of that time to breathe. I just think, for me, you just need to present it differently because mm. you need Cyborg. Like, why do I care that he's on this team? It's because I need to see his pain of, like, what his life was like before and how his life is now gone. I need to see him realize that he isn't just a monster. This is a gift. I don't need just a small little speech on the street from Wonder Woman. No, no, you could be a hero. Like I, I, I need him to be mad at his dad, to listen to that tape, to help that. I, I, we were talking about this before we started filming. I cry every single time I watch him watch this woman and realize mm-hmm. that he can help her out and takes her $11 bank account and makes up a, you won the bank $100,000 special. And she just is like, oh my God, I ball. Every single time you need that you need for uh, us to have a chance to see Barry really upset over his father. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you guys see the flash, you'll get more of that. But you need that you need um, to have like Wonder Woman really just like kind of take it back all in because the last thing we got was her at the end of World War One. Yeah, you know, and all of that. Where is she now? What is? How is that affected? And even letting us have that moment in the past. And to, to mm. me, the, the the two biggest scenes were Cyborg giving the money, and it's the old gods and man and the Amazonians and the Atlanteans all fighting, very like we got to kill Sauron style, like all together. Yeah, very like it, it, I, I, they they feel almost like like blow for blow, pound for pound, like the the, the like mirroring each other, and I love that. Um. That is the stuff that you need to give this heart and depth 
Um, so you need I that love t- that all of our scenes are the supporting scenes. I love yeah. that everything mm-hmm. we're discussing as a benefit is, and that's why I like Snyder's universe is he yeah. knows his takes on the characters. Just because I don't see the characters the same doesn't mean it's wrong. And right. that's what I think is so important about the conversation around these movies is these are archetypal characters. They're meant to be how you perceive them. Mm-hmm. And I perceive them differently, but I love how much he supports his vision. And that's what the Snyder Cut is to me. Well, that's the thing you admire about any filmmaker that is as as sure of themselves mm-hmm. as Zack Snyder. And I don't mean that in a in, in he's cocky, just to no. be cocky kind of way. Like, I think he legit believes in what he's putting out there is the art is I, I think that he's realizing his vision every time he makes a movie like and I go all the way back to even something that wasn't well received like Sucker Punch. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for the new Gahul movie. Like I want I want an owl franchise. That's what I want Where's my multiverse to be. Gahul. Give me all of the owls, the guardians of Gahul. I love that movie. It's my favorite Zack Snyder movie. But so seeing this, I feel like the movie itself, right? Mm-hmm. It, like just the way it plays out. It is very long. You can hit pause. That's why I was happy it came out at home. You can hit pause, <laughs> go to walk the dog go to the bathroom, come on back, enjoy some more. But as a movie itself, does it work as well as what you would hope the culmination of all these heroes being in it? Like, I like the device. I think the mother box thing is nice because it's not the most complicated thing to wrap your head around in the world, even though the mother boxes themselves might be as a storytelling device. Oh, these are really powerful things. And if they fall in the wrong hands, we're all screwed. Yes, yes, it does. It does work. I think... It's just a situation. I think why Justice League failed so hard. Remember, we were being introduced to three brand new characters, <laughs> and they each got about two minutes to be like, "And this is Aquaman." Like a, a brief like, talk with Amber, with with Mira, with Amber Heard to just be like, "You know, you should really be king." Screw you! And then, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like the Flash. Uh, hey, I want to. Uh, can I work for your dog walking company? Like that, that's, that's essentially all you get. Whereas this, we get the time we get to see when Barry first saves Iris in the, the Snyder version. Clearly he has some sort of connection to this woman. Clearly like his, we see him like pocket the hot dog. Cause all of that is cut. It's yeah. not, it's not in there. That is Kirstie giving Clemens us- isn't even in there at all. Right. I, right. That's, well, that's a highlight scene for me. The flash, the Kirstie Clemens scene is one of my favorite scenes, of the entire piece, because it shows the power of the flash that he doesn't use and the 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 vision of Zack Snyder using like uh slow-mo XL. Like he's slow-mo tastic, but that shows like more power in it. So that flash scene is is a highlight for me because Kirstie mm-hmm. Clemens is Iris West and she not being utilized is is such a, a crime to the Justice League that showing how well she's utilized here and it makes me like flash more. Like and that I, scene does a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, and I think that's where this version really acts as a competent sequel to mm-hmm. Batman v Superman. I know that we had Wonder Woman in between these two, but where Batman v Superman gives us those little teases of these other characters. Yeah. It felt like we didn't get much more than those teases Again. in, in <laughs> Whedon's version. So now we get to see like everybody and we get to see like kind of the the real reason why you're on the justice. League. Yeah, why 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 do I care about them? That's that is that is ultimately my issue is why do I care about them and by giving this time to breathe. Um you were you were getting to know each of these characters on an individual level to some point and like you don't need to focus on Bruce and Diana and and Clark at this point cuz they've each had a movie or part of a movie to like really get that opportunity. I would argue that what Man of Steel is the Superman movie. Batman v Superman is really a Batman movie and then Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman. So they've all gotten their opportunity to like who are they? And now you're giving us this time to figure out 
who the remainder, who the, the, the last three are. You know what I mean? Like, why do we care about them? And I, I, w- I will say that Justice League was a great trailer for Aquaman. Oh, my, so Because, much. like, he kind of, like, he just gets to come in and steal part of that movie. He's, like, surfing on, yeah, you know. Yeah, he just comes in and, like, blows his way through yeah. and, like, takes off. And, and like, then it's like, wait, 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 I want to see more of that guy. It's it's one of the reasons why that movie probably did so much better at the box office than Justice League did. Right. That's a good point. He got the billion right. dollars because the trailer. Yeah. That was yeah. A, but I, I was going to say, I, I would posit that this movie does so much runtime because it had to because they rushed to the Justice League. Yes. I, I don't think there should have been a, like you were just spelling out how quickly we got there. One Superman movie, one Batman movie, one Wonder Woman movie, unite the seven. Like that, that isn't how, you don't have to copy the comics, you don't have to copy Marvel, but if you're not gonna go by a formula that's been proven, you shouldn't go, hey, the second ever Superman movie should be about him dying. <laughs> like that's not, like if you look at all of the pieces, that's not the answer, and I think that they had to recover a lot. So I think another reason I don't mind the runtime and another reason I think this movie is so impactful is it kind of answered the question that I'd been asking of, can you make a Justice League movie your third movie-ish? Because Wonder Woman was like the past so this is kind of the third movie in continuity. And I kept thinking, like, you really can't make this your number three if you're going, like, Superman, Batman, Superman, Justice League. And they kind of made it work with this cut because of the amount of time we had. Wonder Woman obviously bolstered yeah. that. But it, it shouldn't have had to. And I think that we should have let... If you wanted to let Zack Snyder run the Snyder universe, they should have given him more of a leash as opposed to going like, throw some money at it later. Like they should have (laughs) let him build it like he wanted to because I would have loved to have seen a Martian Manhunter film. I would have loved Mm -hmm. to have seen him get to make the Batman film. He clearly wanted to make Batman. He made Superman Batman half the time. But like let him make those movies (laughs) and then earn it. And that's the difference between what Marvel's done is in the beginning, they let Thor, a character no one knew or liked really, have his own movie. They let Star Spangled Man that no one knew except for like, you know, comic fans. They trusted the audience because they trusted the filmmakers in the beginning to grow to the Avengers. An unbelievable task. I feel like DC kind of did the opposite and it's not Zack Snyder's fault, but he was smart enough to fix the problem. That's a great point because because with Marvel, like you, you had two questions going into that first Avengers, or I guess leading up to that first Avengers movie. It was, who are all these characters? Do I care about them? Why are they on the team? And do they translate to a modern audience? That was the big mm-hmm. question with Captain America, and I thought they did that brilliantly. Yep. With Thor, again, it's like maybe not as well known unless you're a huge Adventures in Babysitting fan. <laughs> <laughs> or you knew the comics really well, but you see that movie, you're like, oh, I see why this guy might factor into this. Yeah. And so it's a smoother lead up in the way that you, you know, your and I sports brains would go like, that's like kind of how you build like the Miami Heat or the Denver yeah. Nuggets, mm. sort of say, or where the Dallas Cowboys prefer just like grab the most famous free agents and hope that they figure it out. That's kind of how the Justice League felt. Bro, it's 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 I think about like what every every time we go to the Olympics and you put all the best <laughs> basketball players on one team and stuff like that, or if you wanted to, you wanted to dive into music, it's this idea of like a like, super group. Yeah, exactly. When when all of a sudden is you, Justice you, League We Are the World? I think um, it is. Yeah, I really think it is. But you get excited about We Are the World because like, oh crap, Michael Jackson, <laughs> Tina Turner, Prince. Just they cut all, to cool stuff. They just cut all to just cool stuff. This? We didn't get Huey Lewis's origin story. <laughs> But I, you know what I'm saying? If if you <laughs> they shot Jimmy Olsen in the face, that was I, Huey Lewis. It doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean nearly as much to have magic throw a dish to bird if you don't see the two of them previously and go, wow, right. look at them on their own, and now they're coming together like Voltron. Yeah, like that. It, it Ooh, means that Olympics so- comparison is. Perfect. It's great, right? Because now wow. all of a sudden you are even more invested because in, in all these times when I'm like. We've never been friends, but now we go kick everybody's ass. Yeah. Like there's something about that. And so having that moment of 
wow, we got to see Iron Man, and it's like, cool. And it, wow, like, I didn't even really rock with Thor, but now I do. Oh, my God. Now he's shooting lightning through him, and they're doing super, you know, repulsors. That's amazing. I wanted that. I wanted to be able to be like, oh, great. That's Superman. Oh, great. That's Batman. Oh, great. That's Wonder Woman. Oh, great. That's The Flash. And now I'm like, holy crap, combo move. You just launched Aquaman off yeah. on the top of the thing, and then you use the speed for And I know because I remember when you did that move to take out Zoom. Like, I wanted to be able to, like, connect those dots. The slam dunk contest. Test coming. works better when you know who the competitors are ahead of time. When, when it's not just, oh, this guy's just here and uh, I guess he can jump high. When you know it's like the Jordan and the Wilkinsons of uh, 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 the Wilkins of the world, that's when it works is when you have that backstory and you have that sort of built in, not just a fan base, but you're actually rooting for these people. Well, that's people. storytelling. Like, that's the element that is like, I that think you really, hit the nail on the like head. It's storytelling. You, you need a backstory. Well, to yeah. tell it. <laughs> well, because because oh, I think the other thing that people forget is that these characters, yes, they are on a team together, but they're not like the Ninja Turtles where they're def or the Power Rangers where they're defined as being a team. Right. They are individuals that be. This is a threat that is too big for them to take on uh, individually, so mm -hmm. they have to come. And that's together. the animated movies do so well, and that's what's really interesting to me is if you watch these DC animated films, they're able to tell a nine eighty seven minute story that tells individual league members, and then they team up, and you understand why, and they all break it down. That's what's hard about the way this was built was because it was like, okay, we've had a lot of 87 minutes that are implied. Can we, okay, put it together. And then they just throw a movie together. Blissfully, it's, it, it works, but it never should have had to have worked because I feel like the underdogness of Marvel is kind of how the movies came together. They're like, we've lost all our rights. C-lister, uh, C-lister. <laughs> and then WB was the opposite where they were like, we've got Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. And they just assumed it would work. And then the Batman versus Superman featuring Wonder Woman should never have opened that small and then mm -hmm. dropped off every mm -hmm. week by 60%. That's the most remarkable yeah. set of team in the world. That that's because they I feel like it was almost um arrogance is the wrong word. They believed in it to a level that they should have invested in it more. Well, well cuz I know everybody kept complaining I don't need to see the pearls drop one more time. I do not <laughs> need to see Thomas and Martha get murdered in Crime Alley yet again. But what I did need because this is a new telling of Batman is I need the room to breathe of how does this universe work? How do you, how does this Bruce Wayne work? Yeah. How does this Alfred work? What is the Joker like in this? How does Commissioner Gordon like operate and by not allowing me that time to understand this world that is going to eventually collide with this other world that's so that's where this movie does it right it is it is definitely what feels like a repair job but it is one that actually worked exceptionally well it was necessary yeah. and and so I, I compare this version of Justice League in, in a weird way to a movie that I love but is very controversial and that's Rise of Skywalker is because mm. sometimes I am forgiving to a film or a franchise or a filmmaker if I know the set of cards they had in their hands sure. making it yeah. because people always forget with Rise of Skywalker there is going to be a whole lot of way on that movie and Carrie Fisher passes away so now we have to completely refigure out how we're going to work this in and there was probably some bungled handoffs between directors or leadership along the way, yeah. which I don't really put on any one person with mm -hmm. Star Wars. And here, I think it's sort of the same thing where you had this kind of mess of a handoff to Zack Snyder to make the Justice League because it was sort of his vision initially with Man of Steel, mm -hmm. but then he can't contribute to Justice League in the way that he wanted to in post-production. And so now he just has this like weird football of duct tape and he's got his hard drive that has the rough cut. So now he has to patch everything together and kind of 
forces his hand to tell the story that he wanted to tell originally. So given those odds that he was up against, I feel like it's a commendable job, and it's why I think this movie deserves to be fresh. I, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that, and I, I think that that is a very good assessment. I, I think what I'm realizing as we're just kind of talking it out here is that old adage of you want to measure twice and cut once. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when I look at phase one of Marvel, at least, that felt like a, they they were measuring two, three, four times, and then this is going to be our culmination. Right. It always felt like Warner Brothers was playing from behind. Mm. And so it felt like you're trying to jack up threes this entire time because you're like, we, we got to catch up. So cool. We got Man of Steel. Well, damn, they already did an Avengers, and that's pushing Bill in. Batman versus Superman. Put Wonder Woman in. And then with the Wonder Woman in there. The, the, the Suicide Squad. Everybody loves Will Smith. We just go. But like, what did that have to do with And anything? to Corey's point about, you know, it, <laughs> It's almost like because it, Warner Brothers knew they had these famous yeah. superheroes. It's almost like they had the biggest pair of scissors. So yeah, they, yeah, they, like, yeah. you still need measuring tape before you start cutting. I, I feel like I like your metaphor with the the, the putting things together because I've always thought of it as like they got a classic car from the 60s <laughs> and everyone knows the car and they love the car and you're waiting for that car to look good. That car is Superman. But then... The parts have rotted a little bit. It sat a little <laughs> while. And then other people started working on the car and they put their own little tweaks on it. And then Zack Snyder had to come and give it a big old polish. Other automotive companies end, have been releasing oh my, new the, modern cars. There's aftermarket cars. stuff. There's original stuff. And then like other competitions that made the new DeLorean. They and, put the old and then Zack Snyder's like, tires on it. Just say, you know, Zack Snyder had to come we and put it on. We got automotive metaphors. We got <laughs> sports metaphors. We have, uh, so we, 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 we have Taylor metaphors. I mean, we're, we're being seamstress and, and we're dunking and we're driving and it all leads to this question because Winston brought up Joker. Um, who wants to tackle this last scene in the movie? Does it belong in there? Have we made sense of it? Is it you either get it or you don't or you're just pretending to get it if you say you get it because there's nothing to get? What Explain that to a lot of listeners who I think tuned into this episode because they may or may not have liked this version of Justice League but also what the hell did it leave us off with? Okay, if you if you just want to show it, especially knowing that like, hey, this is what we would have done. Things are kind of ending. Fine, but I I think putting it as an epilogue as part of like this is actually a part of the film was a mistake. I think that should have been a moment where if you cap out at three thirty because that all <laughs> that extra stuff, all the Martian Manhunter being like, hey, I saw y'all almost died, and I didn't help you because I was like, can they do it? Oh, you did. Good job, bro. I'll be at the next one. Like, bro, he literally. <laughs> it's been five years. <laughs> my boy John Jones was on some CPT where he was like, oh, damn. I saw that, like, the, the light show was going off and Dark Side's about to roll in. I was like, nah, they got it. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> you could have left that all for me as almost like your deleted scenes, your, your post-credit mm -hmm. scenes or whatever to just throw it in as part of said four-hour runtime. If you take that 30 minutes out and give me that 3.30, that's actually like a really solid, well done, concisive enough movie that this probably jumps from 71 to probably in the 80s or 90s for most people just because you told such a complete story. Mm. That nightmare sequence, I get it. Ooh, what would have happened? You know, you're kind of getting your injustice flair a little bit in there. Didn't need it, especially because I just really don't like Leto's Joker. And so then for me to also be like, ah, <laughs> you said a boy wonder to do a man's job. <laughs> Truce. Like, I just. <sighs> and because of this format, it could have been its own thing. Like what you just said. Like, imagine if Nightmare was like exclusively on HBO Max. And like you just have, excuse me, Max. But you just have <laughs> this cut. 
that is just the nightmare by itself as a short film. And then you get to market it twice. A week after Justice League comes yeah. out, a tight 3.30, then you are got, hey, we also wanted to make sure we got the nightmare vision realized. And if it's a four-hour movie, they've thrown mediums out the window. They could have a 3.30 and then they could have that vignette as a separate thing. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have quick clicked twice. It might have been better for their optics. Well, that's sort of where I, I thought that that was sort of like, F.U. Is, is too strong of a term, but like Snyder, like kind of putting the onus back on Warner Brothers and to I guess by more. proxy HBO Max, like I'm going to leave them with this that sets this up because it's the way that maybe I had originally intended to leave off this movie with this open-ended sort of question. Mm -hmm. But then I also let my rabid fan base just come out and say, hey, now we need this and this and this. It doesn't seem like that part panned out. I've been very positive about the Snyder Cut because I am positive about it. The one danger of it is fan entitlement versus fan appreciation. Mm. And I do feel like the Snyder Cut, though... The good Snyder fans have raised so much money for charity, though they're a very charitable organization, the the official ones. There is so much vitriol towards suits and studios and and DC fans and all of the othering. There's a lot of not fun Spider-Man finger pointing Mm. from the DC fans that this emboldened in that last sequence. This literally, there's a line from the Joker, like we live in a society where that's like a meme about the people that are the people living in basements <laughs> mad at stuff. Like you put it in your movie, you made it canon. Mm-hmm. He, he he gave the Joker, <sighs> I love the Joker. He's arguably one of my favorite villains of all time. He made the Joker the face of the negative fandom as opposed to making him the powerful antithesis of Batman. Instead of the Joker being chaos incarnate that is breaking every rule that Batman makes, instead he becomes like, yeah, you'll make my movies. And that's a gross thing to make an incredible character. And on top of that, he says dialogue that has become memed by the very people that are the danger of these movies. So I I thought the Nightmare Seagans, I love that it happened for some people, but I think the Snyder Cut was dangerous because it does imply everyone gets a new cut if they complain enough and every fan deserves to have the movie they want. You don't owe anyone anything. That's dangerous. And also to make the Joker a troll, really dangerous. Is that a Pandora's box that we open with saying, okay, directors do get do-overs if they have enough fans. Is there a do-over that you would like to see? And this doesn't have to be just in the world of comic book Mm -hmm. movies. This is sort of us just putting on our dreamer hats. Is there another cut of a movie that exists somewhere out there that you're like, that exists? No, but I would love to have had MGM have some patience in the writer's strike and not let Quantum of Solace just completely mm. like go uh, up, excuse my language. It's almost like uh, writers are important. Uh, just a little bit. It was like we should pay them or even. something. Maybe <laughs> should be pointing the finger at studios. <laughs> the, the writers are doing a great job of it and uh, SAG voting to uh, join them. I, uh, uh, good please. News. Uh, I, I have two. One is David Fincher's Alien 3. I feel like David Fincher had a vision that he never got to realize because David Fincher hasn't missed since. And there's no way. I mean, that was his first film, but I, it definitely that's felt fair. like a studio going like, we need this and this. An alien planet, like a prison planet, that's awesome. They messed it up hard. I've always felt like people support Alien 3 just because they're huge Fincher fans because I don't think it's a good movie. But I will say that if the guy hasn't missed since, maybe there was something missing that he himself felt And I don't think he would have started it unless he saw the whole vision through because of his other work. He's a very like 10 year plan guy. Right. So Alien 3 is my big like let him let him cook. Yeah. You you get I I got one and it it exists now it's come out but like God we should have never had to have gotten to this point in the first place and I would have loved to see the actual finished product product but uh, the the Donner cut because like I had never I had never seen the Superman movies because I personally don't even though I'm wearing a Superman shirt not (laughs) Not really one of my favorite characters. I don't always relate to him and whatnot. But watching the Donner cut of Superman 2 
is light years ahead of what actually came out. It actually feels like history is repeating itself. Right. And that you had this movie that was starting to be done. Yeah. The studio goes, get the hell out of here. So Brando goes, well, then screw you. <laughs> and then everything kind of goes sideways. And then you get the, the the you know, the cellophane S, ha, ha, a minor inconvenience. They are like, very similar. That's a really good point. very similar how they played out. And then years later, you finally get the Donner Cut. And you go, wow, this is what I would have gotten? That's amazing. And I will say, because it's the lowest of the DC universe and because I love David Ayer, I would, and though it is the slippery slope accelerating, I think the air cut is different enough that even though it emboldens a lot of the same angry people, I think David Ayer is an incredible filmmaker. End of Watch, Training Day, Fury, like the things he's yeah. made. Fury, he doesn't usually miss, and the way he's described his movie, the timing is fascinating because David Ayer made a movie, and then the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer came out, and the Guardians of the Galaxy had only been shooting for 10 days. That trailer played at Comic-Con. All of a sudden, DC's like, hey, we've been trying to copy Marvel. Let's make this movie that is not that movie at all into this movie. A trailer comes out for the Suicide Squad that is nothing like the movie we get. <laughs> they re-edit the Suicide Squad to mirror James Gunn. Years later, they hire James Gunn after Marvel fires him, and then David Ayer goes, no, 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 just because James Gunn made a movie doesn't mean that's the movie I was making. Studio's like, no, no, we want James Gunn. Years later, they hire James Gunn, but David Ayer is then stuck with a movie much like Zack Snyder that is a hodgepodge of 10 things that he never intended to make that somewhere there is a dramatic street level version of end of watch with bro, superhero villains bro breathe you were turning i have that tomato i'm man. certified <laughs> fresh about this cut for coy here's the new job is every time ryan johnson makes one of these knives out movies as soon as the credits come up there's a little box with coy and he goes back to the beginning of the movie and explains <laughs> what you missed yeah. because this person was actually in that room the whole time then the maid was over here but bro. you never saw the person eating the dinner and then they were in the room with the captain and then the captain comes down to the to the galley and he murders the friend. And it's like, okay, Koi making sense of all this. Like the micro machines. Donald guy. You're like the you're like the cracked out like Stan Lee and like all the animated shows where it's like, hey there, Spider fans. If you didn't remember back in 325, that's where Spidey had sex for the first time. Like that's you. You know the bibliography in like thesis papers? Yeah. I want to be that, but the micro machines guy combined. I just want to put, I want to annotate with vigor. Producer Brian, make sure there's no more coffee in the machine for Coy. He's he's had quite enough. As far as director movie cuts, that I I I, I got blessed because I didn't even know there was this. But the the Rocky Four director's cut that Stallone had, I'm like, oh my god, this is this is amazing. Have it's you like, seen it? A completely new footage and like all this stuff. It. it came out in theaters for a hot second. We covered it uh, on an earlier episode of this show. And then I I think kind of the gold standard of more what if than actually footage. But the 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 king of the sweaties, the mightiest oak in the nerd forest, John. Up, the late great made uh, what what happened uh, the death of Superman lives yeah. what if we got that Tim Burton Nicholas Cage yeah. version of Superman so uh, sort of in, in a back way leads me into my point about uh, where we go from here and just quickly mm -hmm. James Gunn Peter Safran the right guys to be doing this they've made the right moves in y'all's eyes so far I, I mean that's a question not a statement I, I mean in this that's a question not a statement um in the sense that. I don't really see where either of them have truly missed. Um, obviously, the second Shazam was Peter was a Peter was, yeah. second, second Shazam. Um, second Shazam didn't quite do what everybody was hoping it was going to do. But like looking at his track record with the original Shazam, looking at what James Gunn has done with the Guardians, did with Peacemaker, did with the Suicide Squad, I, I truly trust both of them to take this and to just kind of relaunch it and do their own thing that is going to work. I, I think that they they truly have a love for these characters. 
and and for storytelling. And so I think that if, if I was going to entrust it to any duo, mm-hmm. it would definitely be them. They're giving me the same kind of Favreau Filoni vibes, like that got you the Mandalorian, for example. Um, but it also feels like when when I think James Gunn had like a, a statement, a kind of a state of the union that came mm-hmm. on social media a mm-hmm. couple months ago and everybody was excited because they thought they were getting all these specifics mm-hmm. and he didn't give a lot of specifics. Mm-hmm. That speaks to your metaphor about that's the measuring tape. Absolutely. Not the scissors yet. I think that there's a three pronged approach to this. And the first being you need a Kevin Feige figurehead and you need someone that's both a creative and a producer. You literally have Peter Safran, one of the best creative producers on the day, like on set with one of the best guys to be the showman that also knows comics as much as Kevin Feige and James Gunn. You've like made this perfect form for DC. And then the second thing is you need someone that is willing to do all the nerdery. You need someone that is going to be doing the research, doing all those things. James Gunn knows this world insanely. So when he released all those presentations, it was beautiful that he was able to be like, a, a, a mainstream thing, a deep cut, a deep cut, a mainstream thing. And then he had very specific visions of all those things. The only thing I've ever wanted to see Kevin Feige do is reference comic books specifically. He did all that in his opening presentation. Mm-hmm. Even Civil War is very different than the the comics. Like the, mm-hmm. the movie and the comics very different, but at least you then get the tone. That's the best way for comic fans to know what the universe is going to be without casting, without any of that buildup. So his presentation, though vague, was one of the most impactful things for the people that are going to be the deepest investment. And then third, you need someone that is willing to be the face of something on the internet as well as in person now. When Kevin Feige started this in 2006 leading up to 2008, it was a different world. You weren't as present. James Gunn responding to people on Twitter, it bothers Christian, but I think it's a genius thing to stop (laughs) trolls. It's a genius thing to stop clickbait. It's a genius thing to stop all the fake news and the pundits that are making things up for the sake of their clicks because then you're taking away an entire market and making truth out of those things. So he's got control. He's got a face. He's got the nerd. He's a good producer. And honestly, the best thing of all of it is that he said up front Elseworlds. He said right up front, we're going to keep Joker separate. We're keeping the Batman separate. And if this was an Elseworld and there was also a mainstream DC universe that was the characters that are actually from the comics, then I would put this in the 90s. Like Mm -hmm. I'd I'd put the Snyder universe as an Elseworld mid to high 90s. And that's what we can get with James Gunn doing this universe is he knows how to have our cake and eat it too. Uh, last thing for you, Winston. Do you want to ward over the fact that you've seen The Flash before Koi <laughs> for a precious few hours left? I'm better than that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your anticipation level seeing, seeing this movie tonight? I am in a very tricky spot because I went into this year with The Flash being one of my most anticipated and then everyone was like, Jesus, come back and hand you Triscuits. And I'm like, there's no movie that can <laughs> hand me Jesus Triscuits. And I'm a little worried about like the amount of hype. Um, and I'm also concerned because I had hit that not like superhero movie fatigue that everyone talks about in buzzwords, but I definitely found myself going like, I know these stories so well. The archetypal story, the the Joseph Campbell journey is, is so familiar. Familiar. And so I was getting a little stale and then I watched back to back Guardians and Spider-Verse and I was like, I love superhero movies. So I'm a little worried that The Flash can't possibly be. I've given 22 movies ever five stars. Spider-Verse is number three, 23 movies in 4000 movies I've marked. I'm terrified that Guardians and Spider-Verse are both five stars and then I'm going to go watch Flash and it'll be four and a half and I'll be like, what a failure. I mean, so I'm, I'm excited. Tough but fact trepidatious. to follow. But, you know, I, I think after seeing all these live action movies, I'm ready just for more Spider-Verses and more Legos. Um, that's that, that's kind of how Lego I want me, my... Lego me McNasty, my, man. My superhero stories told from now on. I gotta watch um, Rocky Four tonight. That's what a rousing conversation that was. It's available. <laughs> the director's cut is available. Check it out. Great conversation between Rocky and Apollo in his backyard gets deep. So that is for actually a prior episode on Rotten is <laughs> strong for now. Uh, no mailbag today. We're going right to the big finish. 
We love our Fresh Ketchup crew members. You can email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. But not today for the mailbag because I had to let Winston and Coy have the pulpit. You are so good at talking into microphones. Even if you're uh, undergoing a physical ailment currently, Winston, you're not hiking to the top of Mount Olympus like Coy is. Hey, You'll man. be back there soon. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I didn't break my mouth. I broke my leg. <laughs> you going to play dodgeball again? You going to get back to the national rankings? <sighs> Bro, I, I, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot. The, the, the one thing you get when you can't move is time to think. I may be retired. All right. I'm so All sad right. to, to go out like that. I like Because there's a part of me that wants to be like Kobe, man, who when this Achilles tore, he's like, nah, I'm going to come back. I'm going to hit these two free throws, and yeah. then I'm going to come back. And I'm going to come back and, like, didn't play super great those last couple of seasons, but then had a 60-point game to go out on. I, I need my 60-point game to go out on, but I, I may be retired. We'll all show up oh, yeah, we'll to watch. Vegas or wherever the dodgeball championships are <laughs> just to see you come back, and we are going to be, like, nervous moms at the recital, <laughs> is and our kid is up there playing piano, like, oh, God, he's he doesn't, he didn't practice enough. <laughs> that's gonna that's actually going to put the fear of God in me. Don't Probably. tell me if you come back to dodgeball. <laughs> Just send me a picture after it's over. Okay, just the scoreboard, just so we know. I don't even want to see you play out of fear. I just wanted the scoreboard. I I did it. You can actually, I believe, catch both of these uh, young men on uh, Capes and Cows. You referenced Christian Harloff and uh, his "The Big Thing" podcast endeavor going great. My my schmo partner in crime once and always. So that is a weekly program. And then the Swaggy Blurred Winston Marshall. Where else can everybody find you? Yeah, you can find me on all platforms at the Swaggy Blurred. Uh, I do a thing on TikTok and Instagram called Breakfast AM news uh that drops every monday through friday just give you a quick little uh, like what 90 seconds two minutes into the the major news stories and make you laugh a little bit uh since we don't have any weekend update or anything like that uh during the middle of the strike here so please come check that out man and then i do some reviews and whatnot uh on my youtube channel and some uh, sketch comedy stuff so come say what's up i imagine your breakfast show i just think of those taco bell ads with peter davidson where yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. like he's just got a little set inside taco bell and he's just having his breakfast just yeah. talking about some stuff yeah no it's more or less it's it's it's, it's essentially that I, i'm not a morning person so like most of my intros are just like <laughs> again really and, but then like i have fun so yeah yeah come through winston likes his sleep i like my naps coy jandrew hasn't <laughs> slept since 2017 <laughs> who needs it? it i want to do a, a show called not a morning person morning show uh i um on youtube where i review movies and comics i read about 70 75 comics a week and then i give you my top nine i let you know which of those nine so you don't have to read the bad ones i promise you the comics are worth reading so i narrow it way way down also just started a series on tiktok where if you liked the movie i give you recommendations of individual characters in that movie over on tiktok and then i am at real Re- with a show called Koi's Comic Corner, where I basically give you the news, reframing it from a comic historian perspective, as well as rewatching all the DC animated films, as well as doing rewatches with Greg Alba over there, and having a weekly news show on Saturdays. And I have a podcast called Koi Cast because I haven't slept since 2004. <laughs> Breathe! There's no time, Winston! Jesus! I don't know if it's if it's Golden Apple or, or where Koi gets his comics. There's a lot of great comic shops in SoCal, but I feel so bad for whoever works there. Koi's out of town a couple weeks, and then we have like, like our whole storage. It's, it's just a long Koi's box comics. in like five weeks. It becomes a long box that quickly. I'm, oh. I'm at 16,000 just Spider-Man comics. Well, you can tell. Uh, I mean, uh, both <laughs> y- y'all are so well-researched and you can clearly tell it's a labor of love. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules, either reading comics or not waking up to join us here today in studio. <laughs> that is Winston and Coy. Subscribe, rate, review. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. All that good stuff. And just on a quick personal plug for me, uh, my new special is coming out July 17th. It's called Alive and Well. You can be one of the first 
to see it in exclusive pay-per-view event July 7th, which happens to be my birthday. And then I think the weekend of July 17th, uh, somebody gets his boot off and we all get to go down to Comic-Con and say hi to a lot of great folks down there. So it's going to be a fun summer for us. And what better way to kick it off than chewing the fat with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Thanks for tuning in. For everybody here at Rotten Tomatoes, I am merely Mark Ellis. Shout out to my co-host Jacqueline Coley, who will be back on our next episode, which I'm now told by producer Brian is in a couple weeks, and we will be covering the prequel to The Red Door, the Insidious movie that opens on July 7th, my birthday, Insidious Chapter 2. How does Chapter 2 correlate to The Red Door? Because there were some Insidious movies in between. We'll get into all that stuff on the next episode of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.